mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. episode 33 and we are continuing our summer reading math series. We don't have a fancy name for it, but that'll work. And we are super excited to welcome Alice Aspinall, um, who is an author who's going to tell us tell us about her book, Everyone Can Learn Math. And then we are also going to talk about two other children's books, The Miscalculation of Lightning Girl and Which One Doesn't Belong. So um, let's get started with our conversation with Alice. All right, so we are super excited to welcome Alice Aspinall today with us. Um, she woke up and met us at our normal Math Before Breakfast time at That's 6 a.m. That's pretty impressive for a guest. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> and um, yeah, we've had several guests on, but they all were like, yeah, you can come in the afternoon. We'll do Math Before Dinner. <laughs> um, but she she contacted us to tell us about her um, book, and we said, yeah, can you talk to us at our normal time? And she was willing to do it on her um, final day of school too. So thank you so much for joining us. And we are really excited to hear more about your book and more about you. So if, if you want to start and tell us um, about your story, tell us a little, about, a little about yourself and who you are and what you do. Yes. Good morning. Um, my name is Alice Aspinall and I'm uh, technically a high school math teacher by day, um, but I have this sort of side passion linked to my love of math. And I, I recently wrote a children's book called Everyone Can Learn Math. And my whole goal is to try to reduce math anxiety among young children. And that came from uh, having two young children myself. My kids are four and six. Um, and I was hearing more and more uh, parents and friends saying things like they were never good at math. Uh, they don't know how to do any math. And I don't like hearing parents um, feeding those kinds of ideas to their children. And so I went looking for a, a storybook to be able to share with people on um, sort of loving math or being able to do math, that, that positivity, kind of like when you are, um, Every time you go through a milestone with your children, there's a, a children's book out there to help you with it, right? Mm -hmm. In our family, we really like books. So we, you know, the potty training books and um, <laughs> the, right? And the, the you're going to be a big sister books are, right. are, are like big hits when you're about to go through a big milestone. And so I thought, surely there must be a book out there about loving math. And so I went looking and I couldn't find anything. And I searched and, and there was nothing quite out there, like nothing quite like what, what I was looking for. And so naturally I thought, well, how hard can it be? And I, and I sought to write my own book. Turns out it was pretty hard, <laughs> a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, but, but it's done and I'm, and I'm quite happy with it. So that's how it, it came about. And now I have this book um, which I'm, I'm pretty proud of. And, uh, and I'm trying to spread that math love to, to parents and children and teachers and really anyone who will listen. So not only are you spreading the math love, but just the whole story of that 
you needed something and it wasn't there. And so you did something about it. Yeah, like that's yeah. a huge goal to be able to teach your kids too. Yeah. Um, yes. There was a need. And instead of complaining about how come no one's ever done this, this should be done. You just did it. Yeah. So that's awesome. I have to tell you, I read it to my son who is seven okay. and um, he right away, he wouldn't let me go past the first page with the bath problem. Yes. He was like, wait, I got it. Can I do it? I'm like, yeah, you can do it. And um, he, it was fun because he, so the, the story is about a girl who's sort of stuck on a problem, right? And um, for those who haven't read it yet, and and she's really stuck and her mom's trying to help her through it, but, you know, it's not going so well. And uh, he, he immediately jumped to there were 24 candies. And then he's like, okay, and so 24 divided by six. And he was, he didn't, all he, he did, this is cool. He knew he would start to split it into two groups, they split the 24 into two groups. And so he's like, I have 12 and 12. And then he couldn't split 12. He knew he needed to break it into three groups, but he couldn't figure that part out. He goes, is there a strategy for division? <laughs> I was like, That's one or two. Yeah. Um, and I, we had just read the, which book was it? Was it the Jennifer Bay Williams book where she was like, basically the only strategy for division is think multiplication. That's what her book said. I'm not sure I'm like a hundred percent bought into that yet, but I, that's what I said back to him. Think multiplication. And he's still, we didn't get very far. So then I was like, we were holding up 12 fingers together. And, you know, we he, got, he is seven. Yeah. 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 He is seven. <laughs> anyway. So he, I think that's so great. I'm he not, was immediately hooked with the, with the problem. It was cool. I'm happy to hear that. It, it's funny because the, there is some math in the book, the problem at the very beginning and, and then uh, at the end again. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the classroom, in the background, there's an array and then there's, um, a poster with some averages, mean, right. mode. and the intention was not for my intention was not for it to be used as a math learning book, but I'm getting a lot of stories from parents that children are seeing these things and want to talk about them. And then they are cool. moving into discussions about math, which I should have really thought about. Um, and I'm very happy about, but I, I, I didn't think about that originally, but I'm very happy to hear that. It makes the book even better in my eyes. I actually thought to myself, why are those pictures of fruit there? Like, I wondered what that was about. And I thought, maybe it's just the craft like that, yeah. the, that the class did. Like, I thought it was their artwork. But that's cool. I hadn't yes, thought about but that. It's arranged in an array. So um, it, it can uh, lend itself to discussions about multiplication and division. And cool. Oh, I think <gasps> Christopher Danielson would approve for how many because you could yeah. count the bowls or you could count the grapes or. Right. That's Wait, true. I, I just realized yeah, I that one. It's it's twelve. So Trip could have seen like we could go back and look at it and oh, see right. how there's that could have been used as an, a manipulative to solve the problem that yeah. the way he had seen it. That's cool. He did he. So you get to the end and the was it the teacher or the kid who came up with the different way? It was the, the, it was the kid who said I'm gonna. The teacher offered half. a suggestion, which led her to a different um, yeah. way to solve oh. it. So as soon as she said that, he was like, oh, that's much easier. He got it. It was cool. <laughs> he, he's like, oh, I can see that. So great. I liked it. That's great. That makes me so happy. Thanks for sharing that story. Yeah. So how about the illustrator? I really like the pictures in it. Do you know her personally or did you oh, have I do. to? I do know her. She is a former student 
Oh, that's even better. <laughs> yes. Um, I know her quite well. I, I uh, coached her on the basketball team a few years ago, and um, she's, she's a former student. So I commissioned her to do that work for me last summer, and now she's off um, at university studying at uh, an art school. She's an arts student, so we have a, a specialized arts program in our high school, which she was a part of. That's awesome. Yeah. She does did a she, wonderful job. Does she have, like, is this the kind of art, as in, like, illustrating that she wants to keep doing? And also, what does she think about math? <laughs> um she, I don't know if this is the kind of art she's, that she wants to pursue. I think she does some um, far more uh, intricate stuff than this, typically, as far as I can see on her Instagram. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, this, is what, this was what I requested. So she was very good at taking my vision. Um, I told her exactly what I wanted on each page, and I told her the um, the style that I was looking for. So I did ask the watercolor look, uh, and she did a, a great job of transforming my visions into exactly what I wanted on paper. I just couldn't do it myself, which is why I I needed her. That's so cool. It makes it it makes it even better. I think that was one of your students. I like that. Yeah, she was lovely. Yeah. Um. So. You kind of talked about that question already. So um, I I looked at your, the website for your book, and I really liked the uh, math resources that you've put, the math talk resources that you've put together. Can you talk a little bit about, about those that are there? Yes, thank you. Um, on the website, uh, there is a section called Math Talk, and there I have a few resources for parents to, to sort of get the conversation started around math. And so um, I had posted some of these on my social media and there was request to have them in a place that was um, like downloadable or saveable. So then I put them on the, on my website and I had emailed them out. Um, the, the most popular one is the first math through the ages. And I have um, a infographic there of every age starting at one year old and some very basic ideas to get parents started talking about math with their kids. Um, there's this misconception that um, talking about math is like really a, a difficult thing to get math conversations going. Like it's not part of our everyday life, um, but it really is. And so sometimes people just need to to have that extra push to realize that a lot of things that we already do um, are math, like a lot of things we do are math concepts. We just need to be a little more explicit in saying and realizing that they are math concepts. Mm -hmm. So there mm -hmm. are some ideas there. And then I have some, some um, graphics on some positive math talk versus negative math talk and sort of uh, our words are, are very, um, meaningful. Uh, we know this with many other things in life. Um, and for whatever reason, it continues to be popular to bash math and to say negative things about math mm -hmm. that we would never do in other um, parts of our, our lives. So I'm trying to get people to realize, um, like the big example that I always use is, uh, I have a daughter. We know that now raising our daughters, especially that we are told about body image and the things that we say about our bodies, um, especially in front of our young girls and the harm that it can do. 
Um, so why do we continue to say things about like things like I can't, I never did math, could do math. I'm terrible at math. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I don't give me numbers. I can't, I can't manage numbers. Like these kinds of things are very damaging to young children, but we don't think twice about it. So, you know, I'm really trying to eliminate a lot of that. So those are some of the negative math, math words that I have on there that we shouldn't be using. Yeah. I feel like those those resources that you put together are great for parents, but they're also good for teachers to share with parents. You know, I've I've been in that place where I wanted something to share and I'm like, you know, where is it? Where can I just find it ready, good to go to share out? And this was a good place for it. And then also co maybe coaches too, to if they realize some of their teachers are not yet using the right kind of language. Yes. Yeah. Right. And it, it's, um, it is a problem because I think it's so engraved in our everyday talk that people don't even recognize when that they're saying things like, Oh, I hate math. As soon mm -hmm. as kids start talking about math, math, homework, math class, it's like an automatic response and it's not okay. Right. It's like, it's not okay. It's not cool to hate math. So this is, this is what I'm trying to put out there. Well, you're not alone. Yeah. But I know <laughs> it's nice it's so to nice. meet someone. I, I remember who's... probably three years ago when I found the U cubed website and I learned about Joe Bowler and I think it was three years ago. Now this summer, I was like, Oh my goodness, everything I've been trying to uh, tell people and, and like, put out into the universe someone is done and yeah. someone's done like real research on it and it and it's backed up and it got me so excited that's awesome so that's really where it all began and she, she does have a really good handout um on on ucube.org for parents also um and how how to talk about math so it's something that's really good on there as well awesome we'll a put, bit more we'll thorough put, we'll put both of those on our show notes um let's see this one? So or either one of I'm those. also interested in your YouTube channel because Tracy and I both flipped our classrooms. Right. Um, and neither one of us have a flipped classroom, but of course we have all of those videos. And so for me as a sixth grade teacher, I do the task in my classroom and they discover it. And then they have that option of watching the video of additional practice because like we learned in your book, the more you practice... The, the better, better you get. get. Right, right. Um, the YouTube channel, um, I started a few years ago, and that just came from, I teach higher level math in high school, and um, students, sometimes students miss a class, or sometimes they just need an extra explanation later on, and my students were going to things like um, Khan Academy, which is a, a wonderful resource. Um, but it's not necessarily specific to our curriculum in Ontario. Um, sometimes it goes too far and then they get even more confused. Um, sometimes the language is slightly different. Um, like we, we say brackets, you say parentheses. And I know parentheses is like, we should know that word too, but sometimes that doesn't click with, with students, you know? And so I, I started these really simple videos so that they had something to access when they weren't in class to help them along. And, and the power of video um, is really beneficial, right? You, you can pause and you can 
um, play back, rewind, fast forward. And so it really is helpful when you need a little extra explanation. Mm-hmm. And that was really the purpose of it. And so it continued and it still continues now. Um, it has grown into more than just my students. Um, it seems to be pretty popular in some other countries, which is really kind of cool. cool. Um, but the intention was just for my students to have something to access at home. I I definitely stumbled upon one of them about algebra tiles, right? And <laughs> um and watched that and was like, oh, now I know what these. I have some in my classroom and had never knew and what they were what they were for. So oh my I watched. One I of them. hear that all the time from people. The the algebra tile ones, especially in in the high school math, are really popular because I think they're used in elementary a lot as a like a, a ones, tens, and hundreds blocks. Okay. Um, but people don't don't often see the extension into the X realm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, 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 people are really interested in those for sure. Yeah. We often, when we're running, are often talking about how, even just yesterday, I wish we knew more math past, like we're pretty good on the sixth grade, maybe some seventh grade math, but we are often talking about, I just want to know more math because I want to be able to like be in the conversations when you're in the room with like the high school math teachers. (laughs) Yeah. And not feel like, oh, I'm left out of this conversation. So your resource is a kind of place where we could start to like build it up a little bit. Yeah. So. They're just simple videos. There's certain nothing frilly there at all, but um, something that you can watch quickly mm-hmm. and uh, get a, a quick understanding, I think. Um, and I'm not sure there's, there isn't a, uh, between the U S and, and the um, Ontario curriculum there, it, it doesn't align exactly. So, I think there might be some some seven and eight stuff for our American friends in there, even though for us, it's nine to 12. Okay, gotcha. Cool. Um, So we'd love to hear an example, if you have one, of a math conversation you've had with your own kids recently. Oh, yes. And I post I post um, our conversations once in a while on Instagram. Okay, cool. Um, The. The most recent one that sticks out, although we talk about math a lot in our house, if you can believe that. Um, <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I'm, I am fortunate that my children have not yet reached an age where they know what I'm doing and okay. uh, and and know that I'm being kind of sneaky sometimes with the math <laughs> conversations. And they really do enjoy it because it can be, it can be fun. And it really comes down to puzzles. Um, the, uh, math problems are like puzzles. And so most children do enjoy a good puzzle. Mm-hmm. So if you portray it like that, they, they should find it fun. So the most recent um, example that I can think of was this weekend, uh, this past weekend, my daughter was playing with those magnet tiles. Um, they have different names, magnet tiles, magnet tiles. Um, yeah. I'm not really sure, um, but they come in squares and trying different kinds of triangles. And then the edges connect with uh, like magnetic. You got some of those at a yard sale, Ruth. <laughs> oh, that's a good find because they're really expensive. It was expensive. great find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good. Um, I keep meaning to add more to our collection, but they're quite pricey. So yes, um, she, she was um, building something and she's six. She's really into LOL dolls. Do you know what LOL dolls are? We do not. <laughs> they're, they're these little mini dolls with gigantic heads okay and they're just little plastic toys anyway they're really popular here 
And so um, she built this thing and she said, mommy, this is a, come look at my runway. This is a fashion runway for my dolls. And so um, it looked kind of like a house with an open face on one side. And then she had laid out tiles as a, a runway outside okay. of the house. And so then I, of course, I, I asked her what shapes she used from the magnet tiles. Um, and that's kind of simple for her. Um, but then I asked her what 3D figure she had built within the figure that she had there. It was like a, a composite figure and she had a cube and she had a um, square based pyramid on top. And so we talked about those two um, figures that she joined together to create that. And then she talked about the, the sides were rectangles and then the runway was a long rectangle. And so that was that was a fun conversation. And she really likes I think she knows now that she's going to have to talk about the math. <laughs> things. Even though it was just supposed to be a fashion runway, I think she's ready. Like she's got her answers ready to go for me. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. So what are you reading? I mean, I know that you're in school, which is unfortunate that I'm asking you what you're reading because I know it's probably emails from your principal. (laughs) It is so hard during the school year to read. And I really enjoy reading um, for fun. I like, I really like a a good fiction plot driven novel, but um, those don't happen much during the, um, school year I can get an audio book in on my commute once in a while um I started well I recently read table talk math mm-hmm. um, which was really good uh totally what I'm into in terms of uh, bringing the math conversations to the table with your children so that was a really good one um and then I started math recess which just came out um but I haven't finished the goal was to keep up with the slow chat on twitter but it didn't, it didn't happen for me right now in the school year. I hopefully I'll catch up soon. So I started that, but I didn't finish. I will finish now, um, after tomorrow. And then, (laughs) and then, uh, the other one that's in the queue for summer reading is classroom chef, which I recently got to, but I haven't, I haven't gotten to it yet. Is that by the same author as the, um, table talk math? Yes. But I think, um, joined with another, Okay. Hmm. Um, and now his name is escaping me. Matt, maybe Matt something. It, but anyway, it's the, I think it's, it has two authors, but one okay. is the same as table talk math. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I read that one. I was doing a, um, like a training for parents just about how to talk about math with your kids. And um, I awesome. out, out there on Twitter, who can help me find a book that'll kind of help me organize my thinking. And that one jumped right out and lots of people recommended it, bought it, read it, loved it. And I really organized my whole training for parents around that book. It was good. The table talk math. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It was, a, it's a good one. Really. Um, I, I respect and, uh, and appreciate what he's done there. Yeah. Awesome. And we, we read uh, math recess and that our we're doing, trying to do a book talk every week this summer. Um, and so that was our last episode. Um, so we, you can listen, listeners can listen to that. Yes, it's kind right. of, it's not out, but the, the, the time is kind It'll of be weird. Out before you hear this. Right. So <laughs> weird. There you yeah. go. That's good. Um, I'm, I, it, it's a good book, um, from what I've read so far and I, um, 
definitely agree with a lot of the ideas there. So I'm looking forward to finishing it. I wish I had been able to keep up, but yeah, it's so crazy during right the now. school year. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we talked about books. What about games? Do you have games that you like to play in your classroom as a high school teacher or games that you play with your kids at home? Um, yes. Well, we love games for sure. Um, in high school, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, we sort of create our own games in terms of um, using some practice problems. I'm, like I'm very into the problem-based learning and the the thinking classroom model. And so we try to incorporate some things there. Um, but with my children at home, um, I think it's a little bit easier. My my children are really into puzzles, as I had told you before, and I think puzzles are really good for problem solving. Um, they don't seem like a math game, but they, they definitely are in my mind. And then we do a lot of card games. Um, my kids like war with, mm -hmm. um, with cards, so the greater than, less than, equal to. Um, so we play a lot of card games like that and go fish is good for number recognition for younger children. So cards are, are, uh, a big, um, role in math play. I think, um, have you played Zeus on the loose with your kids? No. Oh, What's that? you need to add that to your collection. Tracy yeah. introduced me to that. Zeus um, on the loose. Zeus yeah. on the loose. Okay. Yeah. It's really good adding up to a hundred mentally oh. using different strategies. Okay, um, great. I yeah. will look that one up for sure. Thank and you. If the, and if, if you're, I think it's your daughter who was six, if mm -hmm. she's not there yet, like using the hundreds chart to kind of like count up, um, will make it accessible to even younger kids. It's a great okay. game. Great. Yes. She does like, she uses the number chart at school and, uh, you can see so many patterns in there. It's yeah. a really useful tool. I have to, yeah. I have to tell you something, Ruth. Um, <laughs> I, I gave that gift, that game to a very dear friend of mine who was retiring, Patsy, and with the intention that she would play it with her granddaughters on her retirement. And she sent me a picture of her and Lila playing it. I, they were outside somewhere and she's like, look what we're doing. And Lila has been very resistant to anything math. Um, you know, kind of like where this book was going. She, she and it was, it was hurting Patsy's heart because Patsy's like wants to talk about math all the time. And so it was so good to get a smiling picture Aww. of Lila holding all her cards, playing Zeus on the loose. <laughs> Patsy was so thrilled. <laughs> That's so awesome. nice. It's so important to try to, to stop that at a young, young age. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us where people can find you on social media? Uh, yes, on Twitter, my, well, I have some, I have social media for my book and then I've got my own personal account that I had far before the book, which is a little more geared to my classroom right. stuff. So that's why I had two separate ones. So my Twitter for the book is everyone can math. Okay. Um, because of the character count, right? <laughs> limit. Um, and then my Instagram is at everyone can learn math and uh, Facebook too, at everyone can learn math. Okay. And my website is everyone can learn math.com. Awesome. We'll put all of those links on the show notes, but sometimes people are listening in their car and, you know, don't Thank pull you. all that. Yeah. Up. And my, my, um, my regular math teacher, Twitter is at Alice Aspinall. 
Awesome. Um, if you care to see what's going on in, in my high school math classroom. Yeah. And you, and you, your YouTube channel, you want to share that? Too? Oh, my YouTube channel. Yes. That is uh, a youtube.com slash Mrs. A loves math. M R S A awesome. loves math. Awesome. So we have really enjoyed have, talking to you this morning over coffee. <laughs> Do you have anything else you'd like to share before we say goodbye? Well, thank you for having me, first of all, and I'm so grateful to be here and I appreciate any opportunity I can get to share with the world um, the message. And so it's always nice to see people with like-minded um, ideas and uh, everyone's trying to work for the same cause. So thank you for that. Um, I guess I'll just leave you with, um, you know, the more the more we can... Uh, tell our kids that we are doing math explicitly, then the less they will become frightened when they go to school and they don't think it's just a separate subject you learn only in school, mm -hmm. which I think is really where the problem begins. So we really, we should be explicit about saying right now we're doing math. This is math that we're doing right now. So that connection is there when they go to school and they're doing math in the classroom and they can connect the the problems that come up in everyday life with the problems they're trying to do in the classroom. Awesome. And I think part of that is helping parents realize that they're doing math, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think we, um, yeah, we're, we're not, we're not explicit about it that, mm -hmm. you know, this is math that right now what we're doing is considered math. We, we don't just do math at school. Yep. Paper with a pencil. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we um, really appreciate you joining us and appreciate what you are trying to do with your message. I think it's awesome work. So thank you. Thanks for helping thank us so in much. the same work. <laughs> right. Yep. Thank you. All right. Well, enjoy your final days of school. <laughs> thank you. Have a good day. All right. Bye. Bye. So this week we have focused on children's books related to math. And I'm not quite sure how, but I fell across this or came across this book called The Miscalculations of Lightning Girl by Stacy McNulty and saw that it had, is that right? Mc, I'm, no, I'm reading it upside down. <laughs> McNulty. There we go. Um, and I um, saw that it had a math focus and I wanted to add that to our read. I ended up reading it on my camping trip in my hammock. It was great. Um, so we're going to talk about that. And then we're also going to talk. So Christopher Danielson has uh, two great books meant for parents to read with their kids and, and specifically written to talk about the math with your kids. And we had them and hadn't read the parent guide part. We'd read certainly read the kids book one, but we hadn't read the parent guide. So we set out to read both of those. Um, it was a busy week. So we got through one of them. <laughs> Ruth got through one of them. Let me be honest. So we're going to talk about those other two books um, this week in our series of summer math reading. Right, Ruth? Right. So the miscalculations of Lightning Girl. The story is that she gets struck by lightning. Yeah. And something happens in her brain that makes computation really, really easy for her. Yeah. Um, and it's the whole idea of what happens when or how do people look at you when you're really good? I'm not going to say really good at math because – 
the whole idea is that everyone can be really good at math. Mm-hmm. She's just really good at large computation. Yeah, it's like <laughs> without a calculator, sort of scary good, right? And right in the in the in the perception of the people around her, they're like, "This is weird," you know. Like how many days you've lived, and yeah, she also. Um, with that came some sort of maybe you'd call them OCD kind of tendencies, right? Um, she's like really scared of germs, and she has to stand up when she sits down. She has to sit down three times, like stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. So um, her she lives with her grandma, and her grandma is like before before you can go to college, which is what she really wants to do, you need to be around your peers. And so she gets sent to a regular middle school, right? Um, and just kind of navigating that, be having this special gift and these strange social things going on and... Deciding which questions on her math test she's going to miss on purpose yeah. so that she doesn't... <laughs> and, like, calculating her her score every time of what she's going to get, what she knows she's going to get. That's how I had to get through math. Yeah, yeah. See, just how, yeah. How, where you were going to dumb it down I a little to, bit. I had to figure out where I saw it didn't look too good. I didn't want to blow the curve for everybody. Right. I I enjoyed it. It was a quick read. Um, I I did think it would be a fun read aloud in a classroom. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. I think so too. There's a an element of pets in there because mm-hmm. she meets this shelter dog, um, and she also has to navigate mean girls. Yeah, and she has to navigate friends that might tell her secret and mm-hmm. who does she tell and who doesn't she and yeah. Um, so I think it would be great. I mean, I'm contemplating – I don't know how I would fit it into a math class when I only have 50 minutes, but – I have a non-math question about the book. Okay. Um, you are talking about her, like, obsessive-compulsive tendencies and personality. Did she already have those issues, or do those no. also come with the lightning no, bolt? No, it just came with the lightning bolt. Okay. Yeah. There's a big element of prime numbers in there. She really likes prime numbers, you know, and so all throughout the book – It'll be she's counting things all the time, and she's like, "Oh, I, this is really good because it's a prime number," or you know. So that would be a good connection, even if they were re- somebody else was reading it. I don't know. I'm thinking it's perfect for like a fifth grade class, getting ready to go into middle school, you know, and and then you can go. The math is stuff that you can touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just really enjoyed it. So check it out. It was a quick read. It was fun. Um, even for just math teachers to have right a, a piece of fiction to enjoy. Um, so, uh, you want to move to the which one doesn't belong? I do. So, I have done this in my classroom, and I feel like, yeah, I understand the whole purpose of which one doesn't belong. I've even used some of these exact pictures from his book projected onto my screen with my sixth graders. But having read the teacher's guide. Christopher does an amazing job of telling you exactly, not what to say, but these are some of the things that students might say, and this is how you can respond. And for me, this is the math behind it. Mm. We often talk about how I'm limited like to sixth grade math, and so I know that that's a hexagon. But I didn't know why you might call that a concave shape or a convex shape. Mm -hmm. And literally, I was in bed reading this book, 
trying to explain to my husband how exciting it was to figure out the difference between concave and convex and he and mike was thrilled he was not (laughs) so so can you go back and and tell what the whole idea of which one doesn't belong because there may be teachers who've never heard of it right so christopher talks about how this maybe started from sesame street oh where there was an ep part of the episode that was like one of these is not like the other but the purpose you know that's like a big part of sesame there's like a whole song about exactly but in sesame street there's obviously one that's different for one reason okay okay so he said that was a really good start for him and then the fact that there are counting books and number book wait i'm getting that confused with the how many so sorry that's not right. It's the Sesame Street. One of these is not like the other. Okay. And he decided that he wanted to do it where the answer wasn't obvious uh-huh. and that each of your four shapes in this two by two grid had a reason to not be like the other. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I like it is because it's subjective. Like you can, you see how people think based on which one they pick. Yeah. It's not like the other, like. I, I remember when, when Tracy first got it and I was looking through it and I would tend to, I don't even know which, you know, which method my brain used, but I would pick this, you know, one that was similarly dissimilar in each page and, and the kids or Tracy would always pick a different one. Yeah. So I was reading this book with two brothers that had just come over to the house because my kids are 19 and 22, so <laughs> they're done <laughs> they playing the whole um, math games with mom, yeah. but your, your math games are about budget and saving right. for rings and, you know, school and cars. And, um, so one of them had just finished second grade and the other one had just finished kindergarten. And I said, I'd really like to read this book with you because I want to see some of the things that you say. And the very first page, which one doesn't belong? Um, one of them is, open and not shaded and so one of the brothers chose that one and the other brother was like well I think that triangle doesn't fit because it only has three sides so now Brooks who chose the open shape is just looking like hmm I know I'm right but I think what you said sounds right too yeah So I kind of told them the whole purpose of this book and that there was a reason for each shape not to belong. So do you think we could figure it out? And I kind of was like, okay, we've gotten there. So then we did the next page. Mm -hmm. And it really was like when you're reading a book with words and you try to skip a page just to get to the end. He's like, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) You didn't tell me why this shape doesn't belong on this page. Uh And here he is getting ready to go into third grade and – I'm like, well, this is called a dodecagon because that is a 12-sided figure. <laughs> and look at these hexagons. Why did you call this a hexagon? And he said, because it has six sides. And so, well, what do you think this is called? And he said, I think it's called an L. I'm like, well, let's count the sides. Oh, so is that a hexagon too? And we're just having this amazing math talk. And yeah. his parents, his parents were like, how do you do that? How do you know? And I'm like, well, when you buy this book, you buy this too. And that helps you know the math that goes along with it, which is for me, one of the best parts about it. Um, 
It doesn't always come with the book. Yeah, you get them together. You can like you can buy the kids' book, or oh, you can buy. I'm them just saying, together. but if you go online thinking this is a great book and buy the kids' book, it doesn't automatically come so with. So make sure you, you have, get the. You have to get the oh, the bundle the guide that has the too. Guide with okay. it. Can I stop and say a big idea here? Because you said it, and Alice said it. Um, because she was talking about shapes with her runway idea, as as parents, but I think especially as teachers, we say oh, I'm going to give the kid the lower vocabulary word because when they get into fifth grade or when they get into seventh grade, that's when they're going to need to know that word. I, that is like a one of my teacher pet peeves. If there is a word for what you're talking about and your kid has understood the concept of the thing. Like subminion. What? Subminion. Isn't that it? The subtraction. Subtrahend. Okay. Or subtrahend. <laughs> you tell me the one. You know. Yeah. Just throw one out there. I love it. Yes, but that if you one. wait until you see, if you, you wait until your concept. son's thirty-eight, he won't yeah. remember what it is from week to week. Right. So, but like, don't hold the words back. Teach them the words: pentagon and hexagon and dodecagon and you know, um, vertex instead of corner. All those like, don't wait to say the word. There is no reason. Okay, so you took me right to page 56 in Christopher's book, and it's called A Few Words About Diamonds, Okay, because it used to be a pet peeve for me that kindergarten teachers taught the word diamond. Mm -hmm. Like, just call it a rhombus or a kite. Mm -hmm. Feed them that vocabulary. But Christopher says... Says the opposite? (laughs) Well, he said, I used to think that letting students use diamond to describe shapes and geometry was letting them get away with something less rigorous or possibly letting misconceptions slide. Now I know that students are still learning when when to attend orientation and when not to. And a diamond is a term that has a shared meaning for students, a meaning that comes from their experiences with shapes outside the classroom. While a diamond isn't a well-defined object in geometry... We need to help students along with this understanding, and those conversations are sparked by well des- or sparked by books like this. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not that I have to be like that's not a diamond. It's that I have to say, you know what? I understand you're calling that a diamond because of baseball, and that looks like a diamond. But this is really a square that's mm-hmm. rotated, mm-hmm. and this is really a kite because it has two sets of adjacent congruent sides. So you're right. You put yourself in that position to be able to help your students with that. And I think as kindergarten teachers, reading a book like this about interior angles and concave and convex shapes, you set yourself up for success when you have that student who Mm. wants to know something like dodecagon. I wouldn't have known that's what it was called. Wait, what had, is, is that a 12-sided it's shape? It's a 12-sided shape. Okay. Like, I knew Decagon. Yeah. And then I kind of was like, well, once you get past 10, you're just like, it's a 12-gone and a 27-gone. <laughs> you know? Which is, I think, theoretically correct to do it that way. But there are some names for, for some of the yeah yeah bigger numbers. How cool. Yeah. I mean, that kid just thought it was the greatest thing ever. And he thought I was pretty smart because I knew it. <laughs> I... I Wish I had a specific for you, but I teach the – well, now I'm in the ones class, but I was in the two-year-old um, Sunday school class, and I can't remember what shape it was, but there was a, a two-year-old that came out with this, like, 
for real name. It must have been an octagon or a trapezoid. Or yes, one of those. And I was like, what? Good for your mom. Well, <laughs> well done. It was so cool. What if it was her dad? Good for your dad. That's right. Thank you, Jay. You're exactly right. Yep. So the other part of this book that is really important when you're doing this in the classroom are I'm trying to find it on page 19 just the fact that there has to be wait time so you're showing the shape and then you're allowing everyone to really think about which Mm -hmm. one doesn't belong and maybe be able to find something in each box in fact in my classroom when I would do which one doesn't belong you would draw the grid um, in an effort to help them remember the quadrants, that's how we identified them rather than upper left and upper right. We just okay. called them quadrant one, two, three, four, like in a Cartesian grid. Mm-hmm. And so in quadrant one, you had to figure out something that made that not belong. And so um, I often did it as a warm up and I didn't grade it, but I wanted to see if the student could come up with something for each, for each box, for each mm-hmm. quadrant. So that's definitely the wait time. And then he talks about how the risks are low because everybody's going to be correct. And there's going to be a lot of that, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. I didn't see that, you know, agreeing with your classmates. And then the fact that these are just open-ended questions, but how deep you can go. Like, we just had that conversation. Um, And I didn't really plan, I'm going to say, which one doesn't belong happened on Wednesdays in my class. And I didn't necessarily say, okay, today we're going to do prime numbers. And so I'm going to find one about prime numbers. Right. But Christopher also gives you how to build a set. Ooh, yeah. Um, the directions for making your own so that if you wanted it to creatively lead into your lesson, um, Let's talk about that. Yeah. It was, I've, I've read it before. Do you, do you want to say it? or So you like you pick a, th- you pick a starting thing, mm-hmm. right? And then you write down whether it's a number or it's a shape or picture, image, whatever. And then you write down characteristics of it. Right. So you come up with four properties, properties. about okay. what it is that your, your number or... So like if it was your mug there. So it's made out of glass ceramic whatever that's one property it's got two colors we've she's got an orange and a blue mug um it's shiny and it's round those would be your four properties and then you look for objects or images or numbers that have all but one of those properties is that right his second step says to cover the first property so you've written those words down and now you just cover up one and so now you have to find something that is shiny round and two colors. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter if it's ceramic. Right. Yeah. It might be plastic or something. Yeah. That was like, when I read that for the first time somewhere else, I was like, oh my gosh, I get it. I can do this. Oh, wait. JJ Prophet. I love it. He <laughs> got a solo cup. Ooh, let's keep going with this, y'all. This is fun. Okay. So he has a red solo cup that's red on the outside, white on the inside. It's round. What was the other one? You just said two colors. You didn't shiny. have to go inside and outside. Two colors that. and it's shiny. Yeah. Okay. But it's not ceramic. It's not ceramic. Okay. Ready? So now we need something that's oh. not two colors. No, that's not round. Oh, that's not round. Okay. It, so he put out this die. This die. 
It is shiny. It is two colors. It's not round. It's not ceramic. I thought I thought you were getting rid of one each time. You're just getting rid of a different one each time. Correct. See, I misunderstood the game. I didn't listen for all the rules. <laughs> okay, but let's keep it. Because it's a really it's a really good example of not round here. That's probably what mm -hmm. somebody would say for this one. Because this die that we're looking at is still shiny. It's still two colors. So now we need something. Let's just pretend it's ceramic. Okay, great. Um, and now we need something that is not two colors for our final thing. What you got around here in your workshop? So wait, that is a really good one. Oh my gosh. This is awesome. We're going to put a picture on our show notes. We're killing it. Um, <laughs> it is a Starbucks mug, and it is round, and it is ceramic, and it is shiny, but it is Three many colors. colors. Three or four colors. Yeah, green, gray, white. So now you have this, but I'm looking at it, and I'm saying that mine doesn't belong because it has a handle. Yep, it's the only one with a handle. Yeah. So there's that's also what he talks about is you have these well-planned which yeah. one doesn't belong and then you have a student who totally rocks your world with something that's correct yeah um because of thinking about it a different way i had my kids um create on the like the second or third week of school i had my students create some and take a picture of it at home and send it in and it was kind of it felt like a community a good community building thing i don't think i taught them how to do it and so sometimes we got some that were like oh, this is a stretch here um so if i did it again i would walk them through this process but it was really fun to have them show their pictures from the from home what else ruth you're doing a good job summarizing this book here that i'm you're making me really want to read <laughs> <laughs> so the other one that was really intriguing to me was the spirals okay that are in the book so it's four different spirals and I struggled as an adult. Like, what do you say? How do you pick which one of these doesn't belong? Yeah. They they look very similar to me. Um so I cheated because Christopher very Cheater. much Yeah, he has answers oh. in the back of win. the book. Okay. Okay. But they're not, it's not like an answer key this is the only thing to say. But it sets you up as a teacher for what you might hear a student say, and then he kind of gives you the math behind it. And cool. so in the spiral, he talks about how this is the only one that would catch rain because it's the only one with the spiral that's this way. and Opened a, to the top. Right. So a student obviously gave him that idea. Or, yeah. um, There's and, one spiral that's wound the opposite hand than the rest, the bottom right corner. What do you mean? Like the other ones, if you were to rotate them, they could all have the arm, like the, the leftover arm in the same section. The one on the bottom right, you have oh. to, you can't spin it that way. You'd have to mirror it or reverse it. The spiral turns in the opposite direction from the other three. Oh. This is exactly what Christopher said. I think you just read that. Oh, I read it from over here. <laughs> but this is, this is what it follows with. A fun conversation to be had in the classrooms is whether students think about the direction of the spiral being from the inside or the outside. So if I said to you, which way does this go? Yeah. Are you unwinding it from here or are you pulling it this direction? Mm -hmm. um, so this one it has a wider opening. In, and he talks about the inside? Yes. In the center? Mm -hmm. It's not wound quite as tight okay. as the other ones. And he talks about how the student might see 
a reflection in this and then investigating it to see really if it is a reflection because this one's gone the opposite way. It's not. So it would have to be reflected twice. Oh, cool. But these two are the same spiral. They're just rotated or reflected. Okay. Both. Reflected and rotated? Yeah. Wow. So a discovery that... It's, it's reflected directly if you reflected it down. Oh, see? So you're right. You've reflected it over the x-axis, and right. I was reflecting it over the yeah. y. If and you reflect over the y-axis, then you rotate it 180. <laughs> but if you reflect it over the x-axis, it's just once. Awesome. Look at, and look at the conversations we're having and the right. vocabulary that's coming out from There's that. There is a, a spiral tool in Adobe Illustrator, which is an illustrating uh, you know, drawing app, I, a program I use often. And there's a spiral tool. And when I first like started playing with that, I'm not very good at it because there's so many different parts and things to think about when drawing a spiral. It just like blew. I was like, whoa, there's all these different, like not facets because not size, but all these different pieces of drawing a spiral that you can make it, whether it's like each, like each, um, if, if you thought it was concentric circles, each layer, you can control how wide, like the ratio of how wide they get right away mm -hmm. and how many, you know, how many wines are in there and in which direction it goes and yeah. just all kinds of stuff that like, I just never thought of a spiral having so many different details or That's you awesome. know, ways to change them. Cool. We, we, um, gave this book to Tripp's teacher. You know how you're always like looking for a good gift to give and, you know, you could just get the Starbucks card or the Target card or whatever, but being that dorky mom math teacher that I am, I'm like, yep. I, and Trip really likes, Trip really likes the, the, the which one doesn't belong um, idea. And so we gave her this book as a gift um, at Christmas time, I think. Yeah. Did you give her the teacher book too? We did. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I hope that she has read it. Over her, over her <laughs> summer break. I'm, I'm going to bet she didn't get to it yet. Right. Um, and then we followed it up at the end of the year with Zeus on the Loose and the, and the which one, and the how many book, right? Isn't that the other thing? We gave her two things. No, Tracy, no, it was what, a game. I think it was, it was um, the Tiny Polka Dot game. Yeah, Tiny Polka Dot. We gave her those two games for, for the end of the year. She was an amazing, beautiful, wonderful, fantastic teacher. Absolutely. Miss, shout out to Miss Tiller. I love her. All right. Well, it's been fun, right? Have we, we, we intended to talk about how many, but it was so rich that we didn't want to like fly past it. So we will um, talk about that one. That's Christopher Danielson's other book. That's a counting book. Um, and we'll talk about that one once we've read it for reals. Perfect. Okay. So time for takeaways. Jay, you had one ready to go. Yes. When we, uh, um, with, when Alice was talking and her takeaway was, talking about finding finding ways that we use math all the day and all the time in our regular day and making it explicit, making it obvious. And it just made me flashback. I had a, a professor in college who it was um, uh, music analysis, history and mu history of music and music analysis. And his big thing all the time was you hear, and this had to do with music, but you hear stuff in music that you can't, you don't know exactly what it is, but you hear something that you like or some in, in his over and over and over. He must have said it every day was 
make the implicit explicit. Like he wanted us to be able to listen to music and not just go, oh, I like that, but say, or, oh, that's, that's hard to listen to. Whatever it was, he, he, I mean, his big thing was, what do you hear? How can you explain it? How can you represent it? What, you know, hmm. why do you like that? What changes in the music there that makes you do this? And, and, um, I never thought, you know, I have heard those words making the implicit explicit in my head for, you know, the past 15, 17 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never thought about using it for math. He even, this is pretty dorky, but Dr. Sachinsky just, just retired. Um, but at the end of the year, we got pencils and on the pencil said, making the implicit explicit. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So, so with your kids, don't just assume that they know where you're yeah. talking math, like end it with, wow, what a cool math conversation we had just yeah. now. And I never, th- you know, I never thought about using it for the, you know, making other things very obvious and explicit mm-hmm. what kind of math they're doing. Mm-hmm. Or even like here, I want you, you to, wait, I have one pack of gummies. You two need to share it. it. Don't just end it with good job. You shared it kindly. End it with, do you know, you just divided that by two. You just, you know, you just did a fair share. You know? Oh, and you did it kindly. Yeah. And kindly. <laughs> that is yeah, important. Remember that part. Just, yeah. Awesome. I'm going to be thinking about that a lot. Thank you. All right. What's your takeaway, Ruth? So, I did a lot of talking, so I feel like, yeah, I'm going to go back to how this book has so much more meaning because there are no words. Hmm. It doesn't tell you what to think. It doesn't tell you which one's right. Cool. Um, even even the teacher's manual at the end isn't the set of keys, but it's really just about providing students an opportunity to think mm-hmm. and then share. I like it. So my takeaway, I was really um, kind of inspired by what Alice and Ruth and Ruth picked up on the fact that there she saw a need for something, which was a book that talked about learning math and having a, a positive math attitude positive have you heard that before pma my friends say my running friends say positive mental attitude so positive math attitude um maybe because that's I'm so often on your run maybe your that's just my friends i don't know um and and so she was like let me make it like that that's awesome and and other things might come up like that. And like she I said, think in your new position as a coach, you're going to yeah. have lots of opportunities to be like, we need something that, oh, wait, let yeah. me do that for you. I you actually have lots of opportunities for a positive mental attitude. Exactly. You're exactly right. I actually, there's, there's a problem that we need to solve as a school. Um, and, and there's been a lot of like, this is the problem with it. This is the problem with it. This is the problem with it. And I have been thinking like, Stop naming the problem and go look for solutions. And so I'm going to, I'm, I'm on it. That I'm translating that to a different part of my life. But um, good for her for thinking of seeing a problem and making it happen. All right. Well, shall we see you on a run? We shall see you. And you found a... your you found your shoes I last found time. My shoes. Did you find yes. your coffee maker. I found my coffee maker, and awesome. we have no more wallpaper in our house. Wow. Yes. It is all gone. That's awesome. How about that pink bathroom? It's not. Well, it's still pink tile. Yeah. But we have been talking about chipping away the tile because we found like the original little hexagon. It's got a really special name. The floor tile that's. Yeah. And the subway tile that's underneath the pink 
no offense to pink, but there's just not a place for it in that many rooms in your house. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll see you on a run and hear more about your uh, house reno. All right.